Hi everybody, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our latest podcast. Hi everybody, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our latest podcast. It's Jubilee weekend, although when this podcast uh, comes out it will be a couple of weeks after the, uh, the Jubilee celebrations over here in the UK. But I'm delighted to be joined by Robin Searle. Robin is a former South Africa women's cricketer. She played in the World Cup in 2018. She's currently over in Ireland playing uh, cricket for the Heels Cricket Club in the south of the island. Um, full-time teacher back in South Africa where she teaches English in primary school and the captain of the Titans women franchise in Pretoria. So uh, Robin, a huge welcome to you and a, a royal welcome to you. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> No, thank you very much for having me. I'm really looking forward to a good chat. Absolutely. And our first chat will focus on your first recollection of um, what you remember about uh, that moment when you first um, experienced cricket for yourself or watched cricket or had some kind of um, you know, happy memory to do with the game. So the first time I was exposed to cricket, I don't actually remember, but I have been told about it, so I can share that, uh, was when I was three months old. My um, <laughs> my mom and family in general was obsessed with cricket, and my mom wasn't working when I was born, and she would spend her weeks at the Wondrous Cricket Stadium watching four-day and test match cricket with her newborn baby. So I've been exposed to it from a very, very young age. Um, I'd say for me personally, uh, my first memory would be um, trying out for our school cricket team. Um, I There was an announcement on the intercom and I'd obviously known what cricket was because it was always on the tearly back home. Um, I played in the garden a couple of times with my dad and my mom. Um, but the intercom went on and said, any boys interested in playing cricket should go to the hall at break time. And I was a bit confused and quite upset about the situation because obviously they didn't necessarily open that up to girls. However, being the confident young little human that I was, I I went along and um, signed up and went to my first training session. And all of a sudden I was part of the boys cricket team. I was the only girl, which was maybe a little bit overwhelming at first, but fortunately I was good friends with the boys. I was a little tomboy myself, so I like to think I fitted in nicely. Um, and I would say, yeah, that was where my cricketing journey began. Wow, well, that is a that is a fascinating, quite unique story. So any, any, the Tannoy said, any boys interested? And yet you still had the confidence to go along and give it a go. And um, and the rest is history, as it were. But um, how, how old were you at the time, uh, Robin? I would say I was about five years old, turning six wow. that year. That's incredible. Um, yeah. And and what what format did the um, the game or the the little session take? Do you remember much about it, other than the fact you were the only girl? I would say it was something too similar to like a baker's setup, um, a baker's cricket setup, which I'm not sure you'd know of. It's basically plastic bat, plastic mm-hmm. stumps, tennis ball, yeah. and a tiny little mini tip and run game. Um, I remember batting quite well, but I do you distinctly remember hitting my own wickets and that was how I went out. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't hit my stump since, I wow. can't say that. 
that that in itself is uh, is quite a quite a memory. Uh, I think uh, so. Baker's <laughs> cricket, the equivalent in the UK is All Stars cricket. Um, I don't know whether okay. you've got involved in in anything like that at um, at the Heels Cricket Club yet, but for that age group, uh, plastic stumps, plastic bats, um, non hard balls. Uh, but yeah, when when kids are uh, swinging a bat for the first time, it quite often happens that the the stumps go flying and they miss the ball. Um, so uh, so yeah, uh, I can I can relate to that, having seen that happen quite a lot in my coaching uh, roles. But so so two fantastic little stories to start us off with. So it was your mum who was a big fan, interestingly, because a lot of our guests mm-hmm. that have come on have said it was dad or granddad or uncle or brothers. Uh, so male uh, members of the family, but in your case, it was it was your mum who was watching uh, Test match cricket at the Wanderers and a big fan, and then um, at the ripe old age of five or six, you decided right, I'm going to show these boys that I can play cricket as well, and you went along and had a little go at Baker's cricket and um, and cr- and cracked on. So amazing! And from from that very early age, then Robin um, was the much opportunity in school to play um either into school or intra school or or what what happened from that that stage do you remember um so actually it it became quite a drama with me playing our school principal wasn't too happy (laughs) with the fact that there was a girl on his team and um he wasn't too pleasant about the situation um and in a strange way, I'm quite thankful for that because I think it kind of made me want to prove a point, if if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, he, my mom is well, the greatest human ever, and um, he said that I wouldn't be able to play unless she attended every single training session and every single tour that we went on because he didn't want his male coaches to be in a position where the, the female player or the girl got hurt and they'd have to deal with it. So my mom had to kind of give up her afternoon job to um, to attend every single training session and take me on tour. And obviously you can imagine when you go and tour with a boys team, as the only girl, you know, in the setup or in the tournament, I wasn't able to stay with them in their dormitories and stuff. Mm. So I specifically remember we had to hire or we had to borrow a caravan from one of our family friends um, which my mom then drove down and we kind of camped next to the boys' dormitory. Um, so I'd say that was how it all kind of started off in terms of me playing playing with the boys. And at that time, I didn't know that women's cricket really existed. Um, and it was actually during a boys' game. <laughs> I was batting and my mom being involved and having to be around, she was actually scoring. She became the, the team scorer. She's scoring next to a lady, and my mom made the comments, oh, well done, my girl. And the lady who was scoring with her um, said, oh, wait, hold up, is, is that a girl? Just some background context. I had short hair, and um, I was an absolute tomboy, so it wasn't too obvious at, at a ripe young age that yeah. I was a female. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, hold up, hold up. And she, um, the scorer then stood up on the table and yelled at the the umpire who was the girl's coach at the time and she said that's a girl <laughs> and um, he then <laughs> in the middle of the game stopped the game interrogated me asked me a thousand one questions <laughs> and then invited me to um to join one of the the girls sessions uh which i then did and that was how i got involved um in the girls setup but um, yeah it was um 
a bit, a bit of a, a chaotic introduction. Yeah, so, again, quite random. This game, I'll say that. Not, not something that you would expect to happen um, for a game to be stopped uh, because um, somebody who was sitting next to your mum shouted out, you know, pointed out that you were um, a female playing in the in the boys' team. So, um, how old were you at that at that point? I would say I was about eight or nine years old. Okay. Um, I then went went to that training session, and they then invited to me to under sixteen trials. What, as and an eight or nine-year-old? As an eight-year-old, yes, yes. <laughs> I played a, a lot of senior cricket as a youngster. I was eight years old when I made the under-13 um, team. I didn't actually make the under-16 team that I trialed for. Um, and I was playing senior women's cricket at the age of 15, I think. Wow. So, yeah, I got exposed to, to the senior game very, very quickly. And what what were the um what was the experience like to, to try and describe or paint a picture of that um that sort of pathway from being still very young as as an eight year old through to fifteen um what what kind of opportunities what kind of cricket was being played uh, just paint a picture as much as you can of of that memory of that time. Well, I think because I played a lot of boys cricket and I was a very determined little individual. I was quite uh, tough, so when I when I kind of got introduced into the women's game, it was a little bit easier than playing with the boys. It seemed like there was less pressure, um, and fortunately, I ended up playing quite well from the get go. Um, but I just really enjoyed being surrounded by other girls who were interested in what I was because I was only ever friends with the boys because I didn't have anything in common with girls my age. So. I just remember being so relieved that other girls also liked cricket and that I wasn't this um, strange little child, you know, and it was just me. I didn't feel as alone as I as it did when I was playing boys cricket. So I really enjoyed that. And then also <clears throat> being exposed to um, the older girls who were just so good. At, they were kind of definitely uh, played a big role in my life in terms of being role models because I wanted to be like them. Um Mimunda Priya, who I'm sure you're aware of, she mm. captain South Africa and she's played for a very long time. She was like my absolute hero. And um, I would go and, you know, watch her games when I was very young. And, and then all of a sudden I was playing against her and it was the strangest concept to comprehend. Um, yeah, and then it's just, it's been an amazing process and I wouldn't have, have wanted it to, to go any other way. Like, I'm glad that I played boys cricket in the beginning because it made me into the player that I am. And, um, and yeah. So, I mean, again, it's, um, it, you know, unique uh, is, is a word that's uh, sometimes overused, but obviously in, in your experience, um, it wasn't a kind of a, a predetermined thing that you were going to um, go into the, the girls game the way you did. It was still quite, as you described it, I think quite chaotic, um, but it obviously worked well for you. I think it's lovely to hear that um, you enjoyed the experience of playing uh, girls cricket because it gave you a common, uh, a common area of interest uh, with those teammates, which you hadn't found uh, previously at school with, with other girls who, who didn't play cricket. Um, and then obviously you, you've you've gone on to to play at an incredibly high standard, um, you know later on. So, 
uh, would you, I mean, when it, when it came to playing as a 15 year old and you were, um, playing senior cricket, um, so women's cricket, again, for those listeners who aren't familiar with the system in South Africa, um, can you give us a little bit of insight into how that, um, how that played out? So we've got, um, just, just in terms of how things work in South Africa, we've got junior cricket, which would be under 13, under 16, under 19. Mm-hmm. And then we've got senior cricket. Um, but unfortunately, at the time when, when I was playing, the pool was so young or so small. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of younger girls playing in higher age groups. Um, mm-hmm. If you were any good, you were kind of roped into playing. So it wasn't out of the ordinary to be a youngster. Mm. Um, however, in the actual senior team, um, it was a bit of an eye opener because the standard was way, way better than what I was used to. Obviously, with the national players playing in that level and and that being their competitive cricket um, in the country, it was a bit of an adjustment. Um, I will say that, mm. um, but I th- I think it was really good for me to be exposed at that age because it meant that I was competing. Uh, with the best of the best, and I could kind of see what was what the standard that was expected from me. Um, and you kind of it's it's a sink of sink or swim situation, um, and you, it just it made me work harder um, because I had to uh, to fit in and to to cope with the standard. So yeah, I'd say I'd say it was good for me to be exposed at such a young age. And and in terms of. Um... Things like affordability, um, access to um, you know equipment, um, things like how far you had to travel uh, for practice sessions or matches or tournaments. Um, give us a sense of what that was like. Unfortunately, I have very supportive parents and a very supportive family, so there was there was always a plan being made to get me to and from training sessions and I think because my mom was kind of part of the journey from the from the get-go in terms of taking me to all those boys sessions it was kind of something she was very happy to do and to be part of um when it came to getting me to the games um equipment wise I remember every Christmas every birthday I would ask for a different item of gear um I'd have this, uh, I distinct, distinctively remember having a list that I, I ticked off and I'd ask for certain things each year. So um, actual playing equipment. But in terms of clothing, clothing, obviously every team you play for, you get a different kit and all of that. Mm. Um, I actually, coming here to Ireland, it's the first time I've played in white in a very long time, but my entire junior cricket was put in whites but things have now obviously changed with white ball cricket becoming the main attraction these days we've played in color quite a bit so i i yeah i would say my fondest memory, memories of being youngster were playing in whites with oversized clothing <laughs> um so yeah i think i think i answered your question there yeah, no, you did absolutely brilliantly. Um, and and in, ter- in terms of sense of distance travelled, so one of the biggest challenges that um, a lot of young female cricketers have found um, in the UK prior to possibly uh, up, to, up to about maybe 10 years ago, uh, as recent as that, was that if you wanted to play any kind of senior cricket as a club cricketer, um, you had to travel uh, quite a, quite a distance. Now I say quite a distance in the UK. It's a much smaller country than obviously where you're from, but it, but it became a a barrier 
to um, uh, to to people, um, you know, not allowing them to play as much. If you want, so there were there weren't enough uh, clubs in a local area uh, to just be able to play. You know, uh, local rivals. You had to travel from you know the north of the country to the Midlands or the Midlands to the south, and so it's not like that now. You know, there's a lot more. Um, a lot more structure and infrastructure in place, but you know, up to ten years ago, there, there wasn't. So, what what was it like in in South Africa from your experience in terms of um, you know, the the amount of cricket that you could play and how far you had to travel to in in order to play those games. So for our for our junior cricket, we used to have uh, junior weeks where we'd go to a specific province and then we would play all the all the provinces would meet up in that in that area and we would then play for a week so um, we'd go to Cape Town for the week and then play there um, fortunately at that time that was all funded by the unions that we were playing for um, occasionally we might have done some fundraising for one or two of the girls in the team um, but fortunately there were people who were happy to sponsor um, those who couldn't afford kit. But I'd say in terms of accommodation and the venues that we were playing at and the tournaments that were organised, that was all kind of covered by by the unions, which was which was quite helpful. Mm. So, yeah, and then now when we play provincial cricket, we well, it's all costs are covered. So right. I wouldn't say we're professional yet. I think we're working towards that at provincial level. At the moment, there are... Um, five contracted players in each team, which is the first um, time women have been contracted ever, and this kind of kicked in last year. So yes, it's not it's not a lot, but I would say it is improving bit by bit. On um, accommodation and flights are covered um, for everybody in terms of travelling at senior level at the moment. So in I mean we're jumping ahead, but we'll come back. But um, in terms of your capacity as captain of the Titans. Uh, women's team in Pretoria, so I assume you're one of those five contracted players. Um, in in terms of what you've just described. Yes, I am lucky enough to be. Yeah. Yes. So that, I mean that that's that's a fascinating insight because in the U in in England in the England uh well I say England in the UK under the ECB, um, I think there are now sixty, um, contracted players across the first class game um five years ago there were none outside of the international mm-hmm. team um so albeit it's not uh every no not every player that plays uh, county cricket um or for a franchise in the hundred for example um is a professionally contracted player outside of that tournament um there are, there are far more opportunities now than there were five years ago um but it sounds like um, in South Africa, it's moving in a similar direction, uh, possibly, you know, one or two years behind where uh, players are at in in the uh, in the UK. Um, so back to your back to your development um, as a a fifteen sixteen year old playing with um, you know senior players, national players. Um, at what point did the um, the opportunity to get involved in cricket South Africa uh, come about? Um, we had something called a Super League, um, which is where the selectors picked um, 
I think at the time, I think it was the top 48 players um, from provincial level were picked to play um, in three different teams and then to play against each other um, for national selection. And I was lucky enough to get a call up into the Super Series team. Um, And then I think, let me just jog my memory quickly. I think... I was probably number 48 or number 47 in the beginning. But the team that I was playing for, the opening batsman got um, got injured and I was given an opportunity up front. And uh, I was lucky enough to, to do well. And um, I then opened, for, opened the batting for that series. And I think I averaged about 50 for the four games that we played. Um, and then when, when there were call-ups into the emerging team I I was called up and I was very chuffed with that and then I think playing consistently at an emerging level which would be our South African B team if I could say that mm-hmm. um, and performing there I then got a call up into the national team um, in 2018 my first tour was to the Caribbean tough tough um, tough gig tough gig yes yes so there was an actual tour to the Caribbean and then there was the World Cup in the Caribbean a month later, mm. and um, I think because I was part of the setup for the tour, uh, it, it was best to keep things um, the same going into that T20 World Cup. So I was lucky enough to go to that. I didn't get too much game time. Um, I actually didn't get any in the World Cup, but I like to think I was a very good hydration specialist. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I can't say that I learned so much from from the experience and I've since been trying my absolute best to get to get back into the setup so yeah but you can say that you you can say that um because that that to me again in a very humble way um sounds like a a pretty whirlwind type of um progression from uh possibly being 47 48th player on that uh super series tournament then to be given an opportunity because the, the opening bat, the, ch- the the number one bat, got injured, but you then performed really well. Uh, to get an average of 50 across that series was obviously extremely impressive. Uh, to then be, um, from there, to be invited to get involved in the emerging uh, team, so South Africa B, as you put it. From there to then get uh, a tour, a opportunity to tour to the West Indies, and from there to be invited to um, to stay and be part of the whole national side, that's an incredible story in itself. Would you not agree? I would definitely agree. I'm actually still pinching myself. Um, I, I'm still processing that that actually all happened. So yes, I would agree. And I think you know, I'm I'm a huge believer in this uh, this sort of um, philosophy of the law of attraction, uh, which a lot of people misconceive because they think it's to do with um, you know um, relationships. It's not. It's not that. It's it's a, it's about stars being aligned. Uh, so. Um, if that opening bat had not been injured, you wouldn't have had the opportunity necessarily to go and show your uh, your skills, your talents. Um, you having had you know the opportunity, um, if if the stars weren't aligned, uh, you wouldn't have got an average of fifty. And if you hadn't got an average of fifty, you wouldn't have been asked to go and um, you know be part of the emerging team. And and if you hadn't been part of the emerging team to go and tour to West Indies, you wouldn't have been involved in uh, the the World Cup. And the fact that you were a brilliant hydration specialist. Was obviously meant to be um, at that time, um, if you believe in the law of attraction, 
uh, because it uh, there's no coincidences in life. That's what the philosophy means. Um, so it's just that is so of, true. it's just part of your journey that um, has inspired you to you know become who you are and where you are now, uh, and still be as determined, still be as tough minded as as you described yourself earlier, uh, to wanting to get involved more. So, um, so yeah, amazing, amazing story, uh, and. Did you? Um, I mean, how did South Africa do in that in that tournament? I can't remember. So, um, what what were the? Uh, who did you play against, and what were the the results? We didn't have the best T Twenty World Cup. I will say that. I think we finished fourth in our pool, so we didn't qualify to go further. Um, it was only after the twenty eighteen World Cup that we. Um, we made semi-finals and, and all of that. But like you've just mentioned, it was maybe meant to happen like that. Um, a bit of a wake-up call for the girls um, in terms of what we needed to do to match up with other national teams. And I think our South African um, national team at the moment is performing brilliantly. And, and if we keep going and improving at the rate that we are, I think there are really big things to be seen for for the team and and for us as a country in terms of competing worldwide yeah well i would i would wholeheartedly agree um i think that um there's definitely um there seems to be a momentum being built um and um and, and that that inevitably will um will will mean that we'll see uh, south africa women's team competing at the very top levels and in the years to come i'm sure um so so in terms of uh, of your position as captain of the Titans um, and your ambitions to get back involved with um, the the national side, tell us a little bit about about that. You know, so tell us a bit about your franchise and how um, you came to be captain and what it's like to to play uh, for the the Titans women's uh, franchise team. Um, well, it's an absolute honour to play for the Titans team. I would say um, it's my favourite team to play for at the moment. I'm very proud to be part of the union. The union takes their cricket very seriously and they've produced many amazing players. So I'm, I'm really proud to be part of it. I'm actually quite new to the union. I used to play for the Lions back in Joburg, but moved two seasons ago. So you asked me in the intro before we started this who our um, Titans coach was. So I initially started playing under Martelis. Mm-hmm. I was new to the team. Um, I was seen as the opening batter um, and all that. I did come into the team as a senior player, having played senior cricket so long um, with me starting so young, so I was a senior player. And then when she left, we got a new coach, Byron Fraser, and he obviously came in and, and changed things up quite a bit. And he um, he opened up the, the captaincy to the team and he said that we should vote and, and take it from there. Um, we then obviously did a vote and... Um, and the girls decided that I was the right person for the job. So I would say that was how I got into the captaincy. Um, and I, I absolutely love it. And, um, yeah, I take it quite seriously. I say that. Like at times maybe I'm quite intense. But it seems to work for the group of girls that we're, we're working with and we're building with. And um, I'm really looking forward to the next season because we I think we built a really strong base we ended up finishing um, third in both formats um, in our provincial log and that was coming from a team that almost got relegated the previous season so I think we improved massively and just as the team's leader I'm, I'm really think we're capable of um, 
you know, competing for that number one and two spot going forward. So really looking forward to playing with the girls. And that's actually why I'm in Ireland at the moment, um, because I wanted to kind of play throughout the South African winter and get as much game time as I could to try and improve my own game um, and take my my own game to the next level. Um, so I'm hoping to return to South Africa and just, you know, give give it all I've got. Well, um I think that's a, a brilliant sort of mantra for any young up and coming uh, players listening to this is to is to hear that kind of um, commitment in your tone of voice to wanting to better yourself, to improve yourself, to uh, to lead by example. Um, so, um, you yeah, know, good on you for, from from what I can uh, from what I can hear from 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 that particular part of your your story. Uh, you, you mentioned the word leadership, and I think that's a it's a topic that's that fascinates me um, in sport and in business. Um, so, in terms of the the relationship between uh, captain and coach um, in setting that leadership framework for the Titans, how how would you describe um, how that works uh, for for the two of you, for you and Byron? Well, firstly, I think it's it's so important. You've got to have. It, successful teams need to have everybody buying into to what you're working towards, and I think that tone is set by your management group, and that that at the end of the day is your coach, your senior players, and your captain, and that's the driving force behind what the team wants and where the team is going. So if you get a group of people that are on the same page and all supporting each other and all all working towards the same thing, it makes the world of difference in your success. So we've worked really hard in that. We've been quite big on team culture um, and enforcing some values for the team that everybody can kind of live by on the field and off the field. Um, we've spoken a lot about just being good people in general because, yes, sport is important, but it's not the end of the world if you lose. I think if you're if you're trying your best and you're competing, that's all you can really ask from an individual. So I think it's just you know getting everybody on the same page and then as as a leadership group trying to get the best out of everybody so mm. captain coach relationship very important um and if you're on the same page things tend to work out a lot more you know you don't want conflict um up at the top because that could then seep down so i would say that barry and i have a very good relationship and i've enjoyed working with him and looking forward to working with him some more fantastic and i think you you've nailed it in terms of um the 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 phrase you mentioned about culture i think that's um at the at the center of any organization whether it be a sports team or a school or uh you know a big financial institution if you have the right culture and the right values uh, and everyone uh, understands um what that means to them uh, whether they are chief exec um or whether they are the cleaner uh, but they all understand uh, what that means to them and what value that's going to uh, contribute, then uh, you're onto a winning thing. Uh, the, the challenge for most organisations is that uh, it gets lost in translation uh, at some point and, uh, and people don't understand it and it's not very clear and that's when it's, it's a real challenge. But it sounds as though you and Byron have got um, are definitely on the, right, on, on the right path and have got people buying into um, what your vision for the Titans is. So... Um, wish you very well with that and just finally then in terms of um, opportunity and aspirations to get back involved with uh, the national side um, what what's um, what's on the horizon there for you do you think um obviously I would I would love to but I would say my main focus at the moment now is to 
to just take one game at a time and, and perform at, at provincial level. Um, I do need to get some really good provincial performances in before I'd be considered for selection again. So, yes, that is in the back of my mind in terms of wanting to make it again, but I think I'm just just trying to live in the present moment and just take one one game at a time and then even to break it down more and just take one ball at a time. Um, I think it is important to think about the bigger picture, but it's also important to just focus on the current job at hand. So, yes, I would love to, and I'm working towards it, but I'm trying to take the smaller boxes off first. Well, let's, uh, let's see how the law of attraction works for you in that respect. But I think... Um... Taking one ball at a time, um, keeping present is uh, a fantastic way of uh, approaching anything in life. Um, so uh, I'm sure that that will set you in, set you up for, for great success and, and, and success in, in not necessarily in, in terms of, um, you know, performances, but just, you know, being you know, happy. Uh, and, and that's that's probably the most important thing for everyone. Um, so I, I just want to, to say, you know, a huge thank you, uh, Robin. And, and also what, what, a, what a brilliant story yours is. So from that uh, tiny, tiny um, age of a few months old when your mum uh, took you to the Wanderers while she was watching Test Match Cricket uh, to being so young and determined as a five-year-old to prove that girls can play cricket at school as well as the boys and to have the opportunity to get involved in girls' cricket because... Uh, somebody sat next to your mum who happened to be scoring at the time, shouted out, she's a girl. And the, and the guy who was umpiring um, hadn't realised and started to give you the opportunity to get involved in girls cricket. Uh, and then fast forward through all the different age um, age groups to be involved in um, provincial cricket and then national side to get involved in the emerging uh, team, go across the West Indies, captain, um, be, be appointed captain of your franchise uh, or your your most recent franchise team, uh, appointed by your peers, which is uh, an amazing accolade in itself. To have a really positive um, relationship with the leadership, uh, as part of the leadership team with uh, with your coach Robin, to set that culture, um, as well as having a full time day job, you know, which we haven't even touched on, um, you know, is a is a remarkable story, and you know, really really um, grateful for you sharing that story with us, and wish you all the very best in the future. Thank you, Tom, and thank you for giving me and, and all the other cricket players that have been lucky enough to be on your podcast the opportunity to share our stories. I've really, really enjoyed this chat, and I will definitely be, be listening in um, to all the other stories to come. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everybody. As a reminder, each Cricket Coach 365 podcast will be released every Friday at 6pm on Spotify and Apple Play. After listening, please leave us a positive review on Spotify and share it with your friends and contacts. You can also follow us on Instagram at cricket underscore coach 365. Have a great day.